This podcast is only possible because of your support. Please consider donating, if you can, using the links in the description box. I'm Elia Hubbard for the Beirut Banyan. I have this habit of keeping snippets of articles that I find are worth rereading in my notes. One of them is about a New York Times opinion piece where the author states that to build power, outrage needs organization. The title of this article, which was published late last year, asks, when does activism become powerful? I think I was drawn to keep it, not only because how relevant this was to our Lebanese situation, but because it was also based on a study. In it, the experiment shows how powerful activism isn't based on how much money entities have, but on how they use what is at their disposal. I encourage you to read the article for more details, but the bottom line is that being accountable to real people with real problems not only created urgency, but also sparked creativity. In our case, we seem to be stuck in a place where most protesters give up. We know we are crushed between colossal debts and an unproductive economy. We know what our real problems are, but it seems it gets harder to organize. I'm sure there are many issues that we don't agree on, but some are pretty consensual, including the need to secure jobs. Going back to the article's bottom line, I think we might not be holding ourselves accountable to real people with real problems. Sure, we get outraged when someone needs to dig into the garbage bins to find food for the day. But are we really making sure that we're working towards a better system, or just relieving this one acute problem that we saw that day? I asked myself this question, not only because of how nonchalant we are about legislation and its consequences, but also how complacent we've always been with the gig economy. Sure, taxi drivers have been there forever, and they do get access to social security, but we take it for granted that this person will be able to do that gig for as long as he needs to eat. We've let ourselves forget the needs of retired people, especially those without pensions. Younger gig workers have resorted to hike up their fees, hoping to compensate for that lack of security our society has imposed on them. This is why it breaks my heart to watch so many of them being cheated out of their dues or being haggled to death over the proposed prices. We assume that gig workers don't have real problems, or if they do, they are surely different from ours, and that they only do gig work either to supplement an existing income or because they can't commit to a job. Unfortunately, many gig workers have no other options. In my profession, newsrooms aren't hiring as much anymore and often rely on freelancers to get stories in. This applies to a lot of creative work, leaving journalists, among others, in an even more vulnerable state. In healthy societies, unions exist to negotiate better working conditions on behalf of their members. Of course, things can be a bit extreme, as demonstrated by the recent revelations about police unions. But Lebanon has taken this a step further. We've legislated our unions away, and this has been well documented. In these tough times, I find it's not only useful to read up on how our laws can be unfair to many workers, but also examine what we can do about it. A couple of personal examples come to mind during this pandemic. One is on my phone, and the other is on this podcast. First, I got into the habit of doing yoga using an app on my phone, as they offered a free trial in the past months. 
When that trial was up, I knew I wasn't in a position to pay for a yearly subscription yet, but that I also really enjoyed this workout. This app had a section where you could write to them if you couldn't afford it, and so I did. As I explained that I was still a student graduating into what looks like a recession, they were kind enough to extend my trial for a few extra months. I'd like to think they appreciated my commitment to the daily practice and knew I would be paying soon enough because I found value in their service and support. Second, I'm fortunate to be paid for my work on this podcast. You might be a listener who puts podcasts on to get informed, entertained, or some other wonderful reasons. I'm using this episode not only to emphasize how good it feels when commitment is rewarded, but also to highlight how easy it is to take things for granted. This podcast has given me space to express and connect with others in ways I didn't think were reachable. Ronnie has also worked relentlessly on producing great stories, the latest of which came out last weekend on Beirut's Wadi Abujmil. If you find value in our work, please pause this episode and scroll down to the details box to find ways to support it. This podcast is a long-term project, and I'd like to do what I can to make sure its commitment is recognized and that we don't take it for granted. If you've been part of the gig economy and have thoughts on its sustainability, do let me know. Also, reach out if you have thoughts on how we can support gig workers in these times. Let's keep talking. Elia Haber, signing off for the Beirut Banyan.